You're listening to the weekly teaching podcast of Willamette Christian Church in Westland, Oregon. We hope that what you hear today inspires you to laugh, question, think, and grow. If you'd like to connect with us even further, hit us up online at willamette.cc or shoot us a direct message on Instagram or Facebook. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy this week's episode. Today we're going to continue our series called Under Pressure, and what we're doing is this this fall we're looking at the unavoidable reality of the pressures that we face in this world. As much as we would like to escape it, the the reality is, is that we can't avoid it. There's just a lot of pressure in this world. And so there's kind of two options we've been talking about during this series. We can, we can crack under pressure. I hope this is not what happens because there's a better option. We can be formed by pressure. There's something that God wants to do in our life. As much as we would like to avoid pressure, we can't. In this world, there's going to be pressure. There's going to be trouble. And so God will form us by his grace, by his mercy. God will show us how to live And instead of running and escaping from pressure, how to actually be formed by it. And there is a lot of pressure. This is kind of the downside. It's like the the want-want of the series is that there's just a lot of pressure. Here's a quick review of where we've been so far. Uh, We can uh, experience pressure from unresolved past, pressure from being stressed and overwhelmed, pressure from being anxious and afraid, pressure from disappointment and unfulfilled desires. I told you, it's like, oh, come on, let's get to it. And then last week, Grant was here and he spoke on the pressure of not getting what we want. It's just just the reality. It's unavoidable, but we don't have to be crushed by it. We don't have to crack under pressure. We can be formed in the midst of it. And so today, we're going to take another step forward in looking at one of the pressures that we face in this world. And this is a big one. It's very contentious, and it's something that we can't avoid. Today, we're going to be talking about the pressure of relational conflict. Uh, Relational conflict, when, when we talk about these messages, this is probably one of the biggest ones because people are people, right? We just live with them, around them, we are them, and so we have this relational conflict. Now before I jump into this part of relational conflict, we've been doing this also during the series, I just want to remind you, especially if you're new, we are not claiming that if you just hear a message on relational conflict, shazam, like everything's fine, or if you just attend the series about being under pressure, that that we'll just get it. We want to make sure that we surround you with robust resources more than just uh, the resources of, of a message. And so here is our, um, our webpage, Willamette Cares. You can get to this on the QR code that Jen was talking about. And there's just a lot. We want to offer as much as possible, whether it's marriage and relationships, grief or trauma, uh, some counselors, if, if you want to take that step. We want to make sure that you continue to live a life as you find out what it is to follow God in the midst of the pressure. And so these resources that we're talking about, they mostly focus on relational conflict. Nothing causes us to, to crack under pressure than relational conflict. It, it derails us. It divides us. It's where our deep pain comes from. Most of the conversations I have with most of you, uh, when it comes to issues that you're facing, it's the pain of something that has happened to you by someone else. 
And so our text today is looking at how God, uh, this is nothing new. God was, was dealing with the church 2,000 years ago with relational conflict, and he has hope for us today. And, and this can be applied to marriages. This can be applied to relationships, to your job, to, to co-worker relationship. But the context of the scripture that we're going to be looking at in just a few moments is in Philippians, and it's, re- it's related to relational conflict in the church. How many of you know that you can be in church and in conflict at the same time? Come on, somebody, right? It's unavoidable here as well. And the reality is, if you have been in church, you know that the Bible is filled with all these one another verses. Uh, uh, Verses like, we should bear one another's burdens. Uh, We should honor one another. We should be devoted to one another. As you read, especially Paul's letters to the church, you see all these beautiful one another verses. And you would think that if we read this, we would be like, oh, this is how we should live because it all revolves around Jesus's command to love one another. Regardless of conflict, regardless of differences, we are called to love one another. But I think you would agree with me. The last couple years, there's like been relational conflict. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I think that people got the wrong Bible. Come on, somebody, right? Like there's all these beautiful one another's, love one another, honor one another, bear one another's burdens. But, but instead of love one another, you would think that people are reading this, convince one another. <laughs> right? Like, like we got this uh, social media and we're all smarter than the other person and I can't believe that this person is not a smart human being because I'm smart and I know what's right and I know the politics that are right and I'm going to, con- my job by God is to convince you that you're wrong and that I'm right. Like this is what I'm seeing and there's a little bit of relational conflict. And when we try to convince each other and it doesn't work, we do this other thing. We withdraw from one another. Friends, these parts are not in the Bible, okay? This is in the Bible. Love one another, but not convince one another. Not withdraw from one another. But when pain happens, so many of us are like, you know what? It's just easier to not get involved. It's just easier to detach. I'll, I'll still love God, but I am, I am not going to put myself around other people. And again, this is a, a reaction from pain, a reaction from pressure, but God has a better answer for us. But it's very real. In fact, um, I want to mention this great book with a very great title uh, by Eugene Cho. And this is a great title. Thou Shalt Not Be a Jerk. Come on, isn't that a good title? Come on, we need more people to read Thou Shalt Not Be a Jerk. Just read the title. You don't even have to read the book. Like, this is just great. But Eugene Cho wrote this book, Thou Shalt Not Be a Jerk. He kind of focused on a Christian's guide to engaging politics, but it's so much more than politics. Here's what's crazy about this book. This book was published... In March of 2020. Do you know what was happening in March of 2020? The apocalypse, right? Like this is when it all started. This book wasn't written after the pandemic. This book came out before and I just think to myself, why weren't we reading this book in March of 2020? Because it was already a problem. Eugene Cho saw ahead of time before we ever got into the crazy world that we found ourselves in. He saw ahead of time this this divide that was happening. And it's kind of a book of lament, But it's also a book that kind of offers a way forward of not being a jerk. But I want to read one section. A a girl by the name of Emily, she was kind of uh, talking about her life and what she had seen in this this great divide of relational conflict. And this is what she wrote. She said this. 
It is easier to unfollow, unsubscribe, and delete the existence of those who think, act, vote, or live differently than you. When we exclusively engage difficulty online, it becomes easier and more tempting to forget the humanity of others. She continues. This is our reality, and it's one that has created a relational gap so wide that we become paralyzed by the thought of engaging difficult conversations even with those we'd call friends. This is the pain that I think at some level we've all faced in the last two years, but again, this has been a problem since Adam and Eve. Relational conflict that you just want to be right, or if you can't be right, or they just keep trying to convince you, you're like, you know what? It's better to just divide. It's better to just kind of do our own thing. And it's so easy when people are so hostile. It's so easy when there's so many different viewpoints to have. But friends, when we look at the scriptures, when we look at what Jesus has invited us into in a way of life that is different than the rest of the world, we find out that that division and withdrawing is not an option for us. So while a society is consumed with finger pointing and kind of huddling up with people just like them, we're going to see that Jesus offers a better way even in the midst of relational conflict that we can't avoid. So here's the text in Philippians chapter 4 where Paul begins writing about relational conflict. This is what he says in Philippians 4 verse 2. He says, now I appeal to Yodia and Syntyche. Now I'm going to stop here because I want to set the context for what the Apostle Paul is writing, this letter to this church in Philippi, and in it he writes, I appeal to, these are two women, Yodia and Syntyche, not popular names today, but uh, back in the day they must have been fantastic, I don't know. Uh, I had to like look up the, you know, how to pronounce Bible words to, to say this right, Yodia and Syntyche. But here's the context, Paul, the Apostle Paul, is in prison. And in prison, he is writing letters to all the churches that he is responsible for. The churches have have kind of blossomed all throughout Macedonia. And Paul, from prison, is writing to these churches in these cities. And they don't have the New Testament like we have. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. They they didn't have that. And so Paul would write these letters. They would bring the scroll. Someone would come. And the church would gather. And they would read the letter to the church as God's instructions of how they were to live. And so this wasn't like everyone's doing their daily devotion and they're like, oh, look, it's Philippians chapter four, verse two. This was just a letter and they're reading it out loud to everybody. So think about this. This is chapter four. So this letter's been read for about, like, it probably takes about 20 minutes to get to Philippians chapter four. You know, not that you guys ever get unengaged with me speaking, but like it can happen when you hear people speak. And maybe by Philippians chapter four, they're like, yeah, okay, okay. And then Paul isn't just talking about topics. Paul starts talking about people, like names of people, not generic people, like Yodia and Syntyche. So just picture yourself like listening to Paul's talk. And, and then, then they read, and I appeal to you, Yodia and Syntyche. Hmm? <laughs> like it's getting good now because it wasn't like, I wonder who Yodia and Syntyche, it would be like this. Hmm. All the eyes turn to Yodia and Syntyche. It would be like me saying to you guys, now I appeal to Jen and to Alex 
And everyone's like, oh, they're right there, right? This is what Paul's doing right now. He's like, this is this big of a deal that I'm going to name names because what you do in the midst of relational conflict, how you respond to it really matters. And this is, this is what he says. He continues, I appeal to Yodi and Syntyche, please, because you belong to the Lord, settle your disagreement. Yodia and Syntyche are in church, but they are in conflict. And there is a disagreement among these two women. And Paul's like, it's too big of a deal for you to let this fester, for you to, to divide. Look, he goes on. He says this. Uh, yes, and I ask you, my true companion, this is to the church, my true companion church, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. He's like, here's the deal. This disagreement you two ladies have, this is way too big of a deal. There's too much that is at stake. You're, you're too incredible. You've contended at my side. Scholars tell us that this is uh, uh, better rendered. It's like a gladiator term. It's like he's saying, these two women have, have fought side by side with me. We've brought the gospel into these unreached people groups. These two ladies have been on board. They're like top shelf women, but there is this, this disagreement that is causing something that can derail what God wants to do in an entire community. They fought side by side for the sake of the gospel. Their names are written in the book of life. And for so many of us in 2022, over the last couple years and even before that, because it didn't begin in 2022 or in 2020, it just expanded. There's grief in our hearts because there have been people that have been side by side with us. The disagreements haven't been settled, and we find ourselves going, looking around, and, and people are gone and we're heartbroken. We're like, what happened? How could this be? How could this stupid issue cause so much? mass exodus of, of friendships and relationships and fracturing churches all over our community. It breaks our heart. And Paul knew this. Enough to get specific. Enough to name names. He felt the pain to say, you two ladies are amazing. Don't do it. Get through it. Don't minimize it. Friends, Paul knew this. He knew that the stakes were too high, that the fallout was too large, that the mission was too important, and that the people were too special. He knew what was at stake. And he's like, don't do it. They deeply believe in God. Yodi and Syntyche, they, they deeply believed in God. They were doing great work for God. They were bound for heaven. Their names were written in the, the Lamb's Book of Life, but they had an unsettled dispute that could derail the plans and purposes that God had for them. So church, here's what you and I, here's what we need to know. Disagreement, 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 there it is, is unavoidable. Disagreement is unavoidable. We are not talking about, oh, we should all be this utopian gathering where we all just kind of like think exactly alike. Disagreement is unavoidable. No matter how much we love each other, we will still disagree on stuff. I mean, I cannot believe that not everyone in here is a Seattle Seahawks fan. I, I don't understand it. Like, I, I pray for you. I'm like, come on. Misery loves company. I need more friends. You know, like, like, like the M's game yesterday, 18 innings, 0-0. Zero, zero. God help us, right? And when I say us, I don't even mean you guys because you're not Mariners fans like I am. And I just don't understand it. I'm by myself sometimes. 
Can I get away from somebody that's a Mariners fan? Okay, I got it. Here's the deal. We can joke about sports, but we need to be real about everything else. Politics, parenting advice. People say, Brian, are you, are you pro-public school? Your kids are in public school. Are you saying, Brian, that you're pro-public school? No, I'm not pro-public school. I'm not pro-public school. I'm not pro-homeschooling. I'm not pro-private school. I'm pro-parenting. And we're all going to have to figure out how to parent our kids in this society. All of us. And we might disagree or just go, oh, no, that's totally cool for you. Do it. We're, we're in this battle. We're trying. You pray for me. I'll pray for you. We might disagree on some techniques or some, some decision-making. Disagreement is unavoidable. That's okay. Theology. If you go through all the nuances of theology, there's no way that we're going to agree on everything. How you, how you make decisions about your money and things like that to the nuances, we're going to disagree. Disagreement is unavoidable. Here's what Paul's saying. Division is a choice. Disagreement, unavoidable. Division to say, you know what? This is good. We're out. Cancel culture. Withdraw culture. Convince culture where it's more important to be right than to make a difference. No, we have to understand, no, no, it's okay to disagree. It's not okay to divide. And you know this because you've done this. You've had those relationship talks where you're like, you know what? This is not going to divide us. We're, we're in the battle right now. The waves are high right now. But this is not, we're not going to allow this to rip our family apart. Or, or we're not going to let this, this work dispute ruin a great thing. We're not going to do it. And the same is true here where the church has to decide. And the church has poorly lived this out. And we need to be a church that shines. We need to be a church that goes, you know what? We may disagree. Politics, we may disagree. The solutions to the world's problems, we all have different parents and different backgrounds and we read different things and we see different things. But Jesus Christ is our main focus and we are gonna love one another. The stakes are too high. And Paul isn't just talking to the church in Philippi. As you read the, what's known as the Pauline epistles, it's just all the letters that Paul wrote to the church in the New Testament, like Romans and 1st and 2nd Corinthians and Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, all those books. Paul is a broken record about the importance of this. And in that society, there was way more to divide over than here. I mean, it was, it was crazy living in 1st century Macedonia and, and these, these Gentile cities where the gospel was just getting a footing. In fact, in, let me read to you just a couple of these examples. In Ephesians chapter 4 to the church of Ephesus, Paul says this, Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. What kind of an effort? Every effort. How many efforts? All of them. Make every effort. We cannot control what other people will do. We cannot control how people react or respond to us, but we can control what we do and we should make every effort to stay united. Now, I want to take a quick pause to make sure that you know that I know that this scripture and these scriptures are really talking about the church. This is not this, this um, green light for abuse. Well, I'm, I'm not supposed to I'm just supposed to stay united and this is abusive situation and I'm supposed to just, no, 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 I'm not talking about that at all. There are boundaries, there are good steps to take and there is such thing as protecting yourself from people who are hurting you. But most of the time, 
the relational conflict that we have, it's just this willing to divide over the things that should be prioritized way under the cross of Jesus Christ. Paul continues, he knows that the stakes are too high. In Romans, to the church in Rome, he says this, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do whatever it takes. As much as it depends on you, I'm not going to divide. I'm not going to ditch. I'm not going to cancel. I'm not going to withdraw. I'm going to allow God to do a work in me. Then he kind of continues in verse 19 with this bigger picture. Look at what he says. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. So, so he's like, here's the deal. You do everything that you can do. You, you settle your dispute. You make every effort. As far as it depends on you, you make peace. And at the end of the day, God is the judge. At the end of the day, we trust God. We leave it up to God. We don't take matters into our own hands. God is the judge. He will take care of everything. We trust. We trust God. And then again, another example in Colossians chapter 3 says this, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must, I love this, clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Can we just pause right now and just, can we just think of a world, what our world would be like if everyone did this? <sighs> if every single person clothed themselves with tenderhearted mercy, with kindness, humility, I don't have to be right, I'm not gonna just, gentleness and patience. A lot of times in church, if you grew up in church, you, you have probably heard about like the armor of God. It's like the battle. And uh, we did a series on that once. It's great. All the different things. And it's in the Bible, this, this armor of God. It's kind of this fight mentality. And, and if we're not careful, we can kind of uh, take that out of context. And we're like, yeah, we're, you know, we're, gonna do, we're defenders of the faith. And we're here to take ground against the devil who's my boss. You know, things like that, right? See what I mean? We just kind of keep going with God's context and we write our own Bibles. Uh, but I love this because this, this gives us a different kind of putting things on, clothing yourself. Clothing yourself for the occasion. When you got up today, you're like, oh, we're going to church. What should I wear? And you put on what you put on. I love how casual we are here. I'm glad we don't do suits. Thank God we're not. I mean, if you want to do suits, that's okay for you. Uh, I just, you know, get a little choked up. But like we, we dress for the occasion, right? When you got married, uh, you, you dressed for the occasion. When you went out with your friends on Friday night, you, you, you dressed for the occasion. And Paul is saying, hey, hey, church, dress for the occasion. In this society, with what we're facing, you need to dress yourselves. You need to put on this kind of a life because you're going to need it. And in Portland and Westland and our region in 2022, what occasion do we have in our society? Woo! We need to dress ourselves. We don't ditch. We don't withdraw. We don't huddle up with people just like us. No, no, no. We, we just dress ourselves with what God has for us. And he continues. He says this. Make allowance for each other's faults. Whew. And forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. I love this picture. Make allowance. 
for each other's faults. In other words, do not be shocked. or like, oh, I can't believe they did it. Oh, my goodness. No, 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 no. It's like, no, no. Oh, I made allowance. I knew this was going to happen. The Bible said it was going to happen. I've made allowance. That doesn't mean you give permission. It's not like you're okay with it. That's not what Paul says. He's saying to plan for the existence of it. As you head out into this world, you need to watch this. Plan ahead, ahead of time to forgive. I'm going into my work today. I'm a forgiver. I will plan to forgive. I'm in a relationship. I'm in a marriage. I'm I'm parenting my kids. I'm making allowance. I'm leaving room in my life to forgive. When you leave room in your life to forgive, you, you can stick around. When there's no room for forgiveness, you're like, I'm out. I don't have any room for you to make any mistakes. And you've made mistakes. So the only thing for us to do is divide. And he says, you must forgive others. It's not like if you feel like it or if they're nice, or if they made a mistake, or if they're super sorry. No, no, no. He gives the example. Remember, the Lord forgave you. The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God decided to forgive us before we ever decided to love God. Before we ever agreed with God, God made allowance for us through forgiveness. Let me put it this way. Forgiveness is the allowance required for living in relationship with broken people. You have to go into this world, into this church. If you're going to stick around in Willamette and not get offended and not like, oh, you know, the, the number one reason why people leave a church is not because of a pastor. It's not because of the music. It's because of relational conflict. And if we, if we don't have that allowance, you, you won't have room for that disappointment that's unavoidable. But division is a choice. Jesus went to the cross. He made allowance. He preserved the opportunity for reconciliation to happen. He did his part. Paul continues in verse 14. He says this, above all, here it is, another one, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Yodia and Syntyche back in Philippi, they've got this disagreement. Paul's like, no, 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 no. Get, get, focus on something higher than your disagreement. Above all, above all the other things, clothe yourself with love. Get above all the noise and make sure love is happening because that will bind us together in perfect harmony. If forgiveness is the allowance required, check this out, love is the bridge between our differences. Because I love you, we're different. You're not a Seahawks fan. You're not a Mariner fan. You, you parent different, whatever it is. You wish the church would have made this decision instead of that decision. I totally get it. Me too, right? Like, like we're all gonna have these things, but love is the bridge because the stakes are too high, because the mission is too important, because the people are too special to allow this kind of disintegration to the very plan A that God has for this world, which is the local church to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And the good news, the good news is Paul isn't like, so try harder, so stop it. That's not what he says. He's not like, so... Nope, look at what he says. And let the peace that comes from Christ, you don't have to muster up the peace. You don't have to look at yourself in the mirror and go, it's a bad world out there, Brian. (laughs) It's time to put the peace shirt off. The gentleness, trousers. (laughs) No, no, I don't know where I'm going with that. I just need to be done. Keep it. The 11 o'clock is not getting that one right there. 
You don't have to do it. It's Christ in you. Come on, somebody. It is Christ in you. Christ is the one that will bring the peace for you that is needed for this problematic world. You don't need the absence of problems to have peace in your life. And that is good news for somebody. Come on. Let me say it again. You do not need the absence of problems to have peace in this world because you have Christ. And problems, you can try to avoid it. You can try to over-medicate. You can try to escape it. You can try to withdraw from it. And people are. But Jesus says, no, you go right into that world. And I will give you peace. Not because of the absence of problems. Not because of the absence of people. But because the peace of Christ, peace that comes from Christ. I love what Paul says next. He says, what do we do with it? You let it rule in your hearts. The peace that comes from Christ, you're not like, oh, it's, it's there if I want it. it it's, it's available. I'm going to go to the cupboard and get, no, no, no. You let it rule. You're like, Jesus, you reign in my heart. You rule, not me, not my emotions, not my circumstances. None of this rules. Jesus, you rule. Your peace, I want your peace to, to dictate the way that I see people, to dictate the way that I love people. Let let your peace rule in my heart. Yeah, but Brian, but those people. Nope. Those people don't rule either. I don't rule and those people don't rule. Jesus, his peace, let that rule in our hearts. And he finishes with this. For members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. You're called. This is your calling. This isn't like, I hope you'll do it. Paul says, no, you, this, is, this is who we are. We're the church. We shine. We don't divide. We'll disagree, but we don't divide. Love will be, will be the bridge between our differences. We're going to make allowance for each other's fault. We're going to forgive others because Christ has forgiven me. In fact, let me just put this all up. I'll kind of paraphrase all of these verses. Settle your disagreement. Make every effort. As far as it depends on you, clothe yourselves with patience. Make allowance. Forgive anyone. You are called to live in peace. Through the power of Christ, it will fill your hearts. Division is a choice. We're not going to ditch. And Paul says to Yodia and Syntyche, settle your disagreements. What does it mean for all of these things? Maybe for just today, to simplify it, what does it look like for us in this society and with each other when there's a disagreement? To take all this, we can listen to each other instead of talk at each other. We can learn from each other. Just talk to somebody today who is, who is um, volunteering and helping homeless people. And obviously this is a huge issue in our city and everybody has different ideas about how to solve it or what to do with it. But this one person told me, he said, you know, I used to think differently and have different attitudes about people who are homeless until I started listening to their stories and learning who they were things began to change in my heart of how I saw them. Because love happens when you give proximity to people rather than divide from people. We're going to listen. We're going to learn from people rather than try to teach people. We're going to love people. And at the end of the day, what are we going to do? We're going to leave the rest to God. He's the judge. He's the one. I've done everything I can do. God, I, I give it back to you. So I want to close this message as we uh, prepare for communion by showing you the example of Jesus. In fact, if you have, oh, I have it right here. If you have your communion elements, we're, we're a few minutes away from taking communion. 
But what I would like you to do is I would like you to just hold your communion in your hands. We're a few minutes away, but I'm going to read a scripture about the example of Jesus from the Apostle Peter in 1 Peter chapter 2 that shows us how Jesus didn't just command us to do this, but Jesus modeled it for us. And in 1 Peter chapter 2, it says this, when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. He did not react. He did not fight fire with fire. He did not respond in, in like kind. He, he, he didn't make any threats. I mean, think of Jesus. I'm going to tell my dad. That means different things depending on who your dad is. Jesus didn't do any of that. He didn't do any of that. We're not to do any of that. Peter continues, instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Jesus, fully human, fully God, but fully human, experiencing all the pain and all the ridicule and all the hate that humans experience. He says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be different. I'm going to model it different. The Heavenly Father is the one who judges justly. So what are we going to do? We're going to listen. We're going to learn. We're going to love. We're going to leave the rest to God. We're going to entrust to the one, the one who just judges justly. Church, come on. This is... This is what's at hand. Do not belittle division. Do not belittle unsettled disagreements or arguments. Let's go back to that slide. The stakes are too high. The fallout is too large. The mission is too important. And you are too special. You matter to God. Side by side, contending for the faith, discovering what it means to be forgiven by God, healed by God, empowered by God. Not to go take ground in a warrior sort of way, but, but to clothe ourselves with a better way that can make this world beautiful the way God intended it. So as we wrap up, I'm going to have Matthew lead us in communion. But for some of us today, it's not necessarily an individual person that you have an unsettled disagreement with. For some of you, it is. But for others of us, it's just an overall frustration with humanity. It's just kind of that low boil simmering anger that God's saying clothe yourself with something different it's not an option don't let these things divide us Willamette Christian Church a local church in the Portland area we are to come together disagreement is unavoidable division is not and we need to show this world we need to show the city we need to show churches that are dividing an example of what it is to come up with some different conclusions on some different ways to solve the problems of this world. But we are going to allow love to be the bridge between our differences. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for not just commanding us to love one another. Thank you for showing us what it looked like. Thank you for sending your son die on the cross for our sins before we ever, ever responded to your grace and mercy. I pray for Willamette Christian Church. 
our local church. As we pray for the churches of Portland, God, here we are. And we've been asked to model this out by you, by a local gathering. Would you heal the wounds that exist? The unsettled disagreements. May we see them in their right place as we above all clothe ourselves in love. And would you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, fill us with your peace. In Jesus' name.